It's raining in the natural and in the spirit too. Amen. Let's stand up this morning. I'm glad you're here today. This is Communion Sunday. And are you thankful for something? Amen. As we sing today, and this is more serious, which communion is a time of soul searching, and, and what I am going to share with you today will be encouraging and along the lines of covenant. But let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our soon-coming King. Lord, we, we purpose to reflect upon our lives and where we're at spiritually before we partake of communion. We thank you, Lord, that your, your mercy is new this day for everyone in this room. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all my days I've been held in your head. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of a goodness. Of God. Cause all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness. Of God, I love your voice. You will let me through the fire and in darkest night. You will close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend, and I have lived. The goodness of God Of God. 
changes to the land And all have gone before us And all who will believe Will sing the song of ages to the land Cause your name is the highest in your name
morning, we declare that you are holy, 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 Lord Jesus. We worship you, we magnify you, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, this morning to teach us in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Not many announcements this week. The new devotionals are in for December, January, and February. They're back on the counter in the back in the lobby. Um, No Patriots this week. No midweek service this week. Thanksgiving is on Thursday. And next Sunday is our regular uh, Sunday morning service. I want to read to you from just a portion from Nehemiah today. Nehemiah chapter 8. Now if you understand... Israel had been taken captive, and they'd been captive for years. And Nehemiah came back to Israel, got permission to come back and rebuild the wall. And it was a struggle, but they got it done. And after they, they came back and they got all this done, then Ezra the priest came and some of the Levites, and they inst- a lot of the Israelites came back. They'd been in captivity, and they didn't understand all the laws and and the word of God. And so they brought them back and they read to them. And so this is what they read starting in verse 9. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, 
Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way. Eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Don't be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. When you know God and have understanding of his word, you can take time to rest, to relax, and enjoy life. And sometimes I think we forget that. That in itself is an expression of thanksgiving and trust in God. So my admonition to you this week is take some time to spend with your friends and your family. Eat, rest, relax, and rejoice in the goodness of God because he is so good. Ushers, you can go ahead and receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Amen. Let me tell you something. There's a precious anointing here today. And it's a healing anointing. So, as we go through the message today and we go through communion, healing is our, is our covenant right as believers. So you get your faith out there. Amen. The Spirit of God is here. The anointing is here. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. More than anything, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your favor, your goodness. You're such a wonderful God, magnificent creator. And we remember you, Lord Jesus, our Savior. So we thank you, Father. Our ears are open to hear. And our eyes are enlightened to see 
in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 19. I want to speak to you about a month ago as I was reading in Psalms, I came across a scripture that really stuck, and I'll give it to you as we proceed here. But I want to talk to you this morning about covenant. Everyone say covenant. It's sad, but most Americans don't understand what covenant is. Except the mob. Gangsters understand covenant. It's sad that Christians don't. So today, I want to give you some definitions. And... uh, there are probably 85 contrasts between, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. I'm going to give you about 20 at the end, just real quickly. So you, you understand how blessed you are. And when I go through and I, I put together a message, usually by the first of the week, if God is good to me, I'll know what direction I'm going. <laughs> Sometimes it doesn't work that way. But... It, I go through and I, I, I prepare a message, I'll put, put an outline down, I'll write it maybe three, four, five times. I do that because that gets it in me. And yesterday as I was reading, I want you to look at uh, Exodus 19. So our purpose this morning is to gain an understanding of the word covenant in Scripture and of what it means to you and I as believers today. A covenant can be an agreement between men that will provide mutual protection, secure peace, promote friendship, and commerce. In the Old Testament, it was a spiritual agreement between a leader and the people of Israel. But more importantly, a covenant is between God and man. See, I have a covenant with the Most High God. And... In Exodus 19, let me read to you the first six scriptures. These, these really ju- this just touched my heart. It says, In the third month after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day they came to the wilderness of Sinai, for they departed, part, departed from Rephidim and had come to the wilderness of Sinai and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain. And Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and to tell the children of Israel, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians. Now listen, to this is beautiful. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my what? Then you shall be a special treasure to me. Above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Now, this is where God initiates the covenant Himself with the nation of Israel. Matthew Henry says this, he says, In our dealings with God, free grace anticipates us with the blessings of goodness, and all our comfort is owing not to our knowing God, but rather to our being known by Him. It's not just that we know Him, 
But listen to me today. He knows you. And He knows you intimately. He knows every hair on your head if you've got some. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says, Before I, He told the prophet, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Say, God knows me. In John 10.14, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and I know my sheep. I like that phrase, special treasure to me. Special treasure to me. Think about that. You are God's special treasure. Too many times we, we put ourselves down. We don't think we where we should where we don't think or realize maybe we're farther along spiritually than we are. And many times we just we put ourselves down. We're negative, we have negative thoughts, we we talk negative thoughts, they become words. But I want you to leave today knowing that you're a special treasure to God. I, I just read this and it just touched my heart. Look at Deuteronomy 26 along the same lines. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 26. Now I'll warn you, when the anointing's here, and it's a, it's a precious anointing, and when I get emotional, I have time, sometimes hard, the words don't come out. So just bear with me. Amen? In Deuteronomy 26... In verse 16, along these same lines, Moses says, This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statutes and judgments. Therefore you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Say, all your heart. See, God wants all of our hearts and all of our soul. Today you have proclaimed the Lord to be your God and that you will walk in His ways and keep His statutes, His commandments, His judgments, and that you will obey His voice. Also today, the Lord has proclaimed you to be His special people, just as He promised you that you should keep all His commandments and that He will set you high above all nations which He has made in praise and name and in honor, and that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as He has spoken. Wow. Special treasure. This is what it means. Possession. Say possession personal property. It means special treasure. It means man's treasure is material objects. God's treasure is human beings. Man's treasure is objects, material objects. But God's treasure is you and I. Think about that. In Exodus 19, I just read to you, let me read to you from the Amplified, the same verse. It says, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice in truth, keep my covenant, then you shall be my own peculiar possession and treasure from among all and above all peoples, for all the earth is mine. Say, all the earth is mine. See, sometimes we fail to realize we're in covenant with God, are we not? But he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. 
then why should we sweat the small stuff? Why should we be concerned about our finances? If we love God, Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior, we're, we're in covenant with Him. And all the earth is God. So whatever you have need of right now, spirit, soul, body, financially, God is your source of supply. And don't let the devil tell you otherwise. Amen? 1 Peter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, His own special people, that you proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. See, that these words should build you up this morning. Do you understand the covenant that you have with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you'll no longer put yourself down. You'll no longer doubt God or complain and wonder where you know your finances are going to come from in the days ahead. Just remind yourself all the earth is His. Look at Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. gives us a little description of this new covenant that we have with Almighty God. Verse 7, it says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now listen. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. All shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins, and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that he says, a new covenant he has made the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Let me read to you from the message, that same portion of Scripture. Heads up, the days are coming when I'll set up a new plan for dealing with Israel and Judah. I'll throw out the old plan I set up with their ancestors when I led them by the hand out of Egypt. They didn't keep their part of the bargain. So I looked away and let it go. This new plan I'm making with Israel isn't going to be written on paper. It isn't going to be chiseled on stone. This time I'm writing out the plan in them carving it in on the lining of their hearts. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. They won't go to school to learn about me or buy a book called God in Five Easy Lessons. They'll all get to know me firsthand. The little and the big and the small and the great. 
They'll get to know me by being kindly forgiven with the slate of their sins forever wiped clean. By coming up with a new plan, a new covenant between God and His people, God put the old plan on the shelf and there it stays, gathering dust. You see how blessed we are with this new covenant. The old covenant was legalistic and external and no one could keep it as hard as they tried. The new covenant was based on God's laws written on minds and hearts of men within. And it was characterized by grace and mercy. Now let me give you some some definitions of covenant. The English word covenant comes from the Latin convenere, which literally means to come together or agree. The Greek diatheke means a will, testament, a pact a contract, an agreed-upon plan to which both parties subscribe. In the Hebrew, it's berith, to bind or to fetter, a binding obligation. In the Scriptures, it is the ultimate expression of committed love and trust and was usually made to define, confirm, establish, or make a binding relationship that had been in the making for some time. Here's the one that we know what that's familiar, this definition. It means to cut where the blood flows. Or to cut until the blood flows. God has a contract with man which is sealed with the blood that flowed for us. 1 Peter 1 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood. Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So there's some definition, the English, the Greek, the Hebrew. This is also, I'm going to give you a few more. There's so many different shades and meanings of this word covenant. It means a messenger and introducer of the new promise. Look at Isaiah 42. Isaiah 42. So it means a messenger, say messenger, an introducer of a new promise. In Isaiah 42 and verse 5, this, this is in regards, and, you know, um, some theologians say it's Cyrus, and it probably there's a, a meaning and a reference in the natural to Cyrus the king, but it's also to the Messiah. And it says in verse 5, thus says the Lord God who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. Now listen, this is so good. I will keep you, and this is in reference to Jesus Christ. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people. As a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will give to no other. Nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. So this, this is a promise. Jesus Christ is the messenger and the introducer, the one that is that new covenant. Now look at Isaiah 59. Isaiah chapter 59. This covenant also refers to a promise from God. 
In Isaiah 59, verse 21, it says, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord from this time forth forevermore. See, this is the promise of the Spirit of God to rest not only upon the prophets, but upon all flesh. Because it's promised in Joel 2, verse 28, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. So that's what covenant refers to. That's the a promise that we have. And I believe the, the anointing, the Spirit of God is being poured out. I believe that with all my heart. It also refers to the precepts of God. And you don't need to turn there, but he, he refers to in Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 2, it says, he tells Jeremiah, hear the words of this covenant. Say words of this covenant. God's words are His covenant bond. If you're going to have covenant, you're going to have words. And in the Old Testament times, they understood the power in words. Most Christians don't realize, you know, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Your words carry great weight in the realm of the Spirit, good and bad. This is the Scripture I told you that, that just, I know, registered with me a month, month and a half ago. In Psalm 89, verse 33, he says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. My covenant I will not what? Break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. See, you've got a covenant, you've got words. Do you see how important your words are? You've heard me say this. If your words are no good, you're no good. If you can't keep your word, you are no good. That really lifts your spirits, doesn't it? <laughs> See, I grew up, Kathy grew up in small town where you shook hands with somebody. And if you promised to do something for them, you did it. You get it, don't you? Small town. Aren't you glad? Small town. See, I grew up realizing how important your character was. Now, I wasn't perfect. Like I told you in the past, I grew up in the 70s, and I'm not going to say anything more. But I grew up, and it was innately in me how important it was to be honest. If I said I'm going to do something, then I need to do it to the best of my ability. Amen? God is not a man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Has He said, shall He not do it? Or has He spoken and not make it? No. See, God's Word is good. It'll never fail. Our words should be good also. Amen? God watches over His Word to... 
perform it. So shall my be, word be that goes forth, forth from my mouth. It shall not return unto me void or empty, but it will accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing that I send it to. You see how important words are? Let me read to you from this author about the covenant oath. He says, we may feel strange with the word covenant and the concepts attached to it because the word is rarely used in modern society. Even when it is used, it is confused with a contract. Let us get the concept of a contract out of our heads right away. A contract is a vehicle whereby properties and goods are conveyed from one person to another. Contracts are negotiable by both of the parties and can be changed or even canceled. In a contract, promises are made that are as good as the character of the con contracting parties whose signatures seal the document, therefore they're easily broken. A covenant is totally different. A covenant is far above the exchange of properties and things. It is the giving of one's whole person and life to another and the wholehearted receiving of that other person and his or her life. A covenant is made with an oath. Say that. A covenant is made with an oath. An oath is a solemn affirmation, a binding of oneself to the fulfillment of the words spoken while appealing to God. The covenant partners of Old Testament times called upon God to be the witness of the truth of their words. They also called upon God to be their strength in the keeping of the covenant terms. Finally, they called upon God to keep an ever-present watch over the parties to ensure that the covenant was indeed being kept. By calling on God while making an oath, the two parties made God the third party to the covenant. Once made with the oath, a covenant was non-negotiable and could not be altered. We demand an oath from persons giving testimony in court or those in whom we are placing a great deal of trust, such as representatives entering public office. When such oaths are taken, the expression, so help me God, is used. Have you ever heard that? The phrase means that if the words given in testimony are false, or if the person betrays them, then God will be the person's judge. See, this should be a sobering time to reflect upon some things. Your words. My words. How good are they? Now, there's an aspect here to covenant. And uh, the word is loving kindness. Say loving kindness. In the Hebrew, it's hesed, H-E-S-E-D. And this author goes on to talk about this. And I want, you to, I want you to really listen. To become part of a covenant was to enter into a new situation. In becoming part of a relationship that is best understood as a family, not based on birth ties, but on a commitment of love freely given and bound with a sacred oath. The oath created a new kind of family bound together with an unbreakable life and death relationship. And see, that's what we should have here at Harvest Church. We need to have covenant relationships like that. Not, not just what, what are you going to do for me, but what can I do for you? Now, 
I brought, I used Bobby as a, coming from the biker gang past, and I remember when you first came, I had you sit here, up here, and I interviewed you. Do you remember that? You remember that, people? And we talked about covenant. And those bikers, whether it be Hell's Angels or what, what some of the other ones, yeah, yeah, you knew them all, didn't you? You knew them all. In-laws and outlaws. But they understood if one needed help, the other one was there to provide whatever they needed. Then we come to church and we squabble and complain and whine. And it shouldn't be that way. We're a covenant family. Now listen. Among the Arabs to this very day is the saying, blood is thicker than milk. Meaning that those bound by the blood of covenant are held in a stronger bond than those who have drunk of the same mother's milk. The covenant made was to be worked out for the duration of the two parties' lives under all circumstances. Hased is the Hebrew word used to describe the ongoing relationship of the parties in covenant who worked out the commitment made in covenant, the keeping of its promises and responsibilities. Hased is a difficult word to translate into the language of the Western world. For we are a society that knows very little of the commitment involved in being part of a covenant. Isn't that sad? In various translations of the Scripture, different words are used to catch aspects of the meaning of the word or try to encompass its whole meaning. It's translated as mercy, goodness, steadfast love, loyal love, covenant love, loving kindness, or simply kindness. The most amazing news to be announced to the human race is that God, in His unconditional love for us, has called us to participate in the most intimate relationship and unbreakable bond known among humans are capable of being expressed in any language. He's called us to covenant relationship with Himself. To come into the circle of friendship in which God and humanity are bound together in an intimate love union. This covenant is the content of the Gospel. It's called the New Covenant. It consists of the everlasting oath of God, the shedding of the blood of God in the death of Jesus Christ, and His resurrection and ascension to the Father. The Holy Spirit was sent to make the covenant a reality in the lives of men and women who surrender their lives to Jesus. Now, let me give you one final definition, all put together. A covenant is a binding, unbreakable obligation between two parties based on unconditional love, sealed by blood and sacred oath that creates a relationship in which each party is bound by undertakings on each other's behalf. The parties to the covenant place themselves the parties to the covenant place themselves under the penalty of divine retribution should they later attempt to avoid those undertakings. It is a relationship that can only be broken by death. See, you can't give covenant justice for 20-25 minutes sermon. It'd it take years to really 
dig down deep into the subject of covenant. But I wanted to give you just an overall understanding of what the word covenant means. Now I saved this one for last. This is another shade or meaning of the word covenant. A bolt for fastening a gate. Say it. A bolt for fastening a gate. The covenant locks and unlocks the door to heaven. Whoever has Jesus can go into heaven. Now think about that. The covenant locks and unlocks the door to heaven. Whoever has Jesus, he represents that new covenant, can enter heaven. Now, let me close with this before we go into communion here. Listen to this. In fact, just close your eyes. Would you do that? Don't go to, don't go to sleep, though. I'm not going to give you 85, but I want this to sink in. I'm going to bring some contrast between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. The Old Covenant came by Moses. The New Covenant came by Jesus Christ. The Old Covenant was a law of sin. The New Covenant is a law of righteousness. The Old Covenant was a law of the flesh. The New Covenant is the law of the Spirit. The Old Covenant was not of faith. The New Covenant is a law of faith. The Old Covenant was a yoke of bondage. The New Covenant is a law of liberty. The Old Covenant brought death. The New Covenant brought life. The Old Covenant was glorious. The New Covenant was more glorious. The Old Covenant was powerless to save. The New Covenant saves to the uttermost. The Old Covenant, there were many sacrifices. The New Covenant, there was one sacrifice. In the Old Covenant, there was a temporary priest. In the New Covenant, there was an eternal priest. In the Old Covenant, there was animal sacrifices. In the New Covenant, there was a human sacrifice. The Old Covenant was ratified by animal blood. The New Covenant was ratified by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Old Covenant was a law of works. The New Covenant is a law of grace. In the Old Covenant, there was no salvation. But in the New Covenant, eternal salvation. In the Old Covenant, there was no access to God. But in the New Covenant, there's personal access to God. The Old Covenant... No mercy. The new covenant, complete mercy. The old covenant cannot give life. The new covenant can give life. The old covenant exposes sin. The new covenant covers sin. Finally, the old covenant was under the law. But the new covenant were under grace. Amen. In Matthew 26, this is where Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper. In verse 26, and it says, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. Then He took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it all, 
Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they'd sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. In my Bible, it says Jesus used the occasion of the Passover meal to inaugurate the new covenant. The symbolism of the Passover meal under the old covenant was about to be fully satisfied through Christ's crucifixion. In this historic moment, Jesus transformed the meaning of the elements of the Passover meal into new covenant thought. The bread now represented His body, which would be given, and the cup His blood, which would be shed for the forgiveness of sins. The holy requirements of God in the Old Covenant were about to be forever satisfied. A new and living way into the presence and provision of God was being prepared through Christ, the Lamb of God. A new and eternal bond was being established by the blood of Jesus Christ. God was sovereignly inaugurating the new and ultimate covenant. I've given you this morning a lot to think about. But I'm going to invite ushers, would you kindly wait upon the people? We're going to hand out the elements. Everyone here is invited to partake of the communion table. Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. How many with uplifted hands and without being ashamed would say, Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior? The bread is in the bottom of the cup here. It's right on the bottom. There's two cups there. We'll all wait. They'll pass it out and we'll partake together. Say, I'm God's special treasure. Say, I'm in a covenant of love. Amen. Has everyone been served?
In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23, we read, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. When he given thanks, he broke and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, this morning, we thank you for this bread that represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where would we be today without you, Jesus? Your body bore the stripes that bring us healing. Your body became sin, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. We remember, Lord God, we are one body today. Everyone say one body. Everyone say one body at Harvest Church. We remind ourselves, Father, that we need each other. And we also remember those in the body of Christ not under this roof that are out there, and we need them too. And so we receive this bread today, remembering you, Lord Jesus, and all that you accomplished for us through your death, burial, and resurrection. We receive the bread in Jesus' name. Now we thank you, Lord, for the cup of this juice that represents the blood of Jesus. For without the shedding of blood, there be no remission or forgiveness of sin. Where would we be, Harvest Church, without the blood of Jesus? That blood cleanses our sins past, our sins present, and thank God our sins future. This blood provided redemption for us. It translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And so, Jesus, we thank You for Your shed blood today. And we drink it knowing, Lord God, Your life flows through us. Not only through us, but through us to other people too. We thank You for it. We receive it in Jesus' name. Let's all stand. Kaylee has a song here that we're going to sing.
your hands this morning. Say, Jesus, your Lord, your Savior of my life, I receive healing this day for my body, my relationships, marriages, whatever I have need of. You're not only Savior, but you're healer. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to close with the declaration that sums up everything I told you today. Can we, can we read that, please? Today we acknowledge that we are in covenant with El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. Before we were formed in the womb, you knew us. We are your own special treasure, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We've been called out of darkness into your marvelous light. Your laws are written upon our minds and hearts, and we have a covenant that has been ratified by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that you are pouring out your Spirit in these last days, and you're watching over your Word to perform it. Our covenant relationship, as a covenant bond of unconditional love, grace, and mercy. Today I proclaim Jesus Christ is Lord, and I purpose to walk in your ways and obey your commandments and voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen. Do you believe that? I believe that. Then go out to a lost and dying world and share that love and that unconditional love. And light. Amen. Amen. Anything else? There's a waste basket. If you'd kindly deposit those little cups in the, in the garbage, we'd appreciate it. Have a blessed week and a blessed Thanksgiving. Thank you.